sound familiar? If your baby is going through another bout of bad diaper rash, then you need to give Dr. Mom Butt Balm a try. It was created by a mom who's also a doctor. When my kids were little, I remember using this thick, goopy cream to help soothe their sensitive skin. Ugh, it was so difficult to wipe off. Not with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. You only need a small amount, and it's really easy to apply and remove. It's also free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, so it's gentle on your baby's delicate skin. Help your baby feel better and get relief from irritating diaper rash with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Look for it on Amazon and Walmart.com. So you've just had your baby. Congratulations! Whether you are a first-time mom or this is your second or third time around, what happens during that second week after your baby is born can make an impact on your breastfeeding relationship. So what are the common challenges that breastfeeding mothers face during this second week postpartum, and what can you do to maximize your success? Today, we are featuring the third episode in our series, the new Breastfeeding Mom Manual. Our episode today focuses on breastfeeding during the second week, and I'm thrilled to welcome back Ashley Treadwell to the show. Ashley is a private practice International Board Certified Lactation Consultant in San Diego, California. And this is The Boob Group, Episode 100. Breast milk, it does a baby good. Silly daddy, boobs are for babies. I make milk, what's your superpower? If my breastfeeding offends you, put a blanket over your head. Dairy diva, don't be lactose intolerant. Nursing nature's own breast enhancement. Meals on heels. Whoever said there's no use crying over spilled milk, never had to pump. Breast milk, all udders are inferior. Whatever your point of view, we're here to support your breastfeeding goals. We're the Boob Group, because mothers know breast. Welcome to the Boob Group, broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. The Boob Group is your weekly online on-the-go support group for all things related to breastfeeding. I'm your host, Robin Kaplan. I'm also an International Board Certified Lactation Consultant and owner of the San Diego Breastfeeding Center. I cannot believe that we have actually made it to our 100th episode. That is unbelievable. And so in honor of our 100th episode, we are doing a little celebrating in our studio. And we are also taking a call-in from one of our listeners. So, MJ, can you tell us a little bit about these details? Yes. Well, just to celebrate our 100th episode, we are going to be giving away a one-year subscription to the Boob Group. So, I'm going to give our phone number here shortly on our um, social medias. And whoever calls gets to win. And we've had like such um, awesome response to people um, in our virtual panelist program. So it's really awesome. We have a lot of people that are contributing um, when we are posting all these questions that we're posting um, for our episodes, the same questions that we're asking our panelists. So it's just really nice to be able to have um, you out there in the um, wherever you are, because we're all over the world pretty much, but you get to share your experiences and um, be able to give your opinions, even though you can't be in the studio and be a panelist, but you can still contribute. So Awesome. Thanks, MJ. Well, we have um, three lovely panelists in the studio today, or actually two panelists in the studio today. Sorry. So ladies, um, will you please introduce yourselves? Hi, my name is Erin Estevez, otherwise known as OG Mamacita. And I have one boy who is two and a half. All right. Awesome. And Sarah. I'm Sarah Holmes, and um, this is my son, Charlie. He's almost four weeks, and my daughter is two and a half. Okay, fantastic. Well, welcome to the show, ladies. Sound familiar? 
If your baby is going through another bout of bad diaper rash, then you need to give Dr. Mom Butt Balm a try. It was created by a mom who's also a doctor. When my kids were little, I remember using this thick, goopy cream to help soothe their sensitive skin. Ugh, it was so difficult to wipe off. Not with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. You only need a small amount, and it's really easy to apply and remove. It's also free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, so it's gentle on your baby's delicate skin. Help your baby feel better and get relief from irritating diaper rash with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Look for it on Amazon and Walmart.com. Before we start our interview, we're going to just kind of jump into something that's been going on over the internet. And this was um, a situation, a breastfeeding situation, which we always love to talk about on the boob group. Um, and the the topic is um, from a Leaky Boob article that says, Normalizing breastfeeding, flying the friendly skies, Delta says no. So if you're not too familiar with this situation, um, there was a mama who goes by Classic Hippie, and, um, and she had asked Delta, what is your breastfeeding policy? She said, I'll be planning on flying with my 10-week-old son, and he won't nurse with a cover or take a bottle. And unfortunately, Delta came back and said, well, Lindsay, unfortunately, you are not able to breastfeed if you don't have a cover-up. I'm sorry. And then went on to further say that I would suggest pumping if you can and bringing it on board with you. You are allowed to bring breast milk on board. So clearly the the skies opened up and the world imploded when uh, this was going on over Twitter. <laughs> and um, lots and lots and lots of comments going back and forth. And so our friend Jessica over at the Leaky Boob decided to step in and see what type of mediation she could do with this whole process. And so Delta did come back and, and said that they apologized and, um, and that they felt badly. Um, and so that all, and they also, also said that Delta welcomes breastfeeding mothers and babies on all of our flights and we sincerely apologize for the misinformation. So the question that I would like to bring up to our group today is just what can Delta do now to communicate a clear family-friendly policy that supports breastfeeding and also trains their employees, um, clearly their social media representative, um, accordingly so that way situations like this doesn't happen, don't happen again. So Erin, what are your thoughts? I think appropriate signage would be good, you know, not only in the waiting areas before you board, but perhaps also on the pamphlets that are in, you know, that show the emergency exits and such, something to indicate that not only is it permitted, but it's welcome. So if you're uncomfortable with it, look away. Okay. Well, I like that idea. How about you, Sarah? What kind of comes to your mind? Well, in my experience in the professional world, there's a lot of HR training, like even just if it's online annual required training that we've had to take and I I've never seen anything actually related to breastfeeding and women's rights and it occurs to me that maybe Delta isn't the only place that um, my my supervisor for example was just uninformed Um, she did this 30 years ago and so you know by no fault of her own she she just didn't know what my rights were as her employee so maybe something even along those lines as a start 
That's a great idea. How about you, Ashley? What are your thoughts? I agree. I think um, it's just a a case of people being misinformed. I think this PR person, um, their job should have been probably to research the the answer from someone before they they shot the answer out. But um, it's obvious that they haven't been informed what the laws are. And so there needs to be formal training. And I think Delta should announce to their potential customers that they're doing this formal training so that women won't have to worry about how they'll be treated if they're breastfeeding on a plane. Yeah, great ideas. How about you? MJ. I was just going to say that um, it, it's funny, like online I read a lot of comments how people say that, you know, somebody makes a big stink over something like this and that it's just one employee. But it's, but that's, that's the fact is that one employee doesn't know <laughs> that this is not supposed to happen. And so, you know, it's not that the mom is making a big stink. It's the employee is the one that actually made this happen because of making that comment. So, you know, more so the reason why that Delta has to step up and say, you know, even though this isn't our policy, we need to reinform our employees, obviously, because there's one person, but this one person made a huge issue. So I think it's, I just think it's funny when people say, you know, on the social media is that I just, I hate it when one person just makes a big stink about something, but it's that, that's not the case though, because the the person was, was doing what they were supposed to be doing, feeding their baby. And then this this person comes along and says that they shouldn't when it's the, you know that's that's not their place it's just none of their business so yeah I think um, I think everyone brings up an excellent point and it kind of brings to mind to me any type there's been any time there's been a nursing and public harassment incident for example in San Diego it all comes back to just one there usually isn't a policy mm-hmm. um, in place and then also just coming up with just educating um, the staff members on maybe the policy that needs to be created or just the fact that what the law is. The hard part is with flying. Because you're in the sky, You're in the sky. And so when you're on land before you leave, you are under those laws of that state. And when you land again, you know, you're in the laws of those states. But when you're up in the air, the laws don't necessarily... It's hard to see what they fall under, which makes more sense than for these airline companies to actually come up with their own policies. And then shoot, if they have a really good supportive policy and they put it out there um, through Twitter, (laughs) stuff like that, um, they'll probably get more people flying. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So So what does happen, though, when you're flying? Like you, it's kind of like on the sea, like the laws don't apply? It, to be honest, I'm I'm not quite sure. I felt like it was national law. So, but I, I'm mm. not quite sure. I mean, I know that the United States has some sort of breastfeeding in public policy and law in place, but it's not nearly as strict, for example, as in California, where you the may not discriminate. States. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So, um, lots of work to be done, yeah. but um, you always need like something. Power <laughs> I know, you always <laughs> got to start somewhere. So, yeah. all right. Thanks for sharing, ladies. <laughs> 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 Hello. Hi. Did I win? You did. Yay. <laughs> I did. This? Tell me I won. You won. Who won? Who is this? Jenna Ikuda. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I'm not driving, so I hopped I, on really fast, and I was like, I have to win, I have to win. You won, I won Mama. a year's subscription to the boot group. <laughs> the boot group. You did. Well, cool. Well, Jenna, you won a free subscrip- year subscription to the boob group club, and uh, we so appreciate you calling in. 
Wonderful. Tell everybody I said hi. All right. All we right. will. Thanks, Bye. Jenna. Thanks. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So today on The Boob Group, we're discussing breastfeeding during the second week of your baby's life. Our expert, Ashley Treadwell, is an international board certified lactation consultant with the San Diego Breastfeeding Center. Thanks for joining us, Ashley, and welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me. Sure. So Ashley, now now that we're in the second week, mom's fuller milk is hopefully in by now. Um, what does normal breastfeeding look like during the second week, and how often does a baby feed and for typically how long? Um, second week looks a lot like the first week, especially the, the second half of the first week when mom's fuller milk came in. Um, baby's normally still eating uh, eight or more times in 24 hours, so that works out to every two or three hours. Um, should be feeding from both breasts, you know, anywhere from 30 to 45 minutes. Total? Total, yes. Okay, cool. And Ashley, do you recommend that parents still keep track of baby's peas, poops, and feedings for the second week? And if so, when, when can they stop doing this? We do. We recommend that they keep track of that until the baby has reached their birth weight. Um, once the baby's back at birth weight, um, is waking on their own to feed, um, they can stop recording. Okay, cool. So ladies, um, did you find that your baby really started to wake up during this second week? And did breastfeeding look any different compared to what that first week of life looked like? Sarah, how about you? I, I think it started to pick up more, probably a little bit more frequency in the second week. I started noticing, I guess, what you call cluster feedings. I also noticed the, um, some spontaneous longer stretches of sleep, though. Um, I remember sleeping from 8 p.m. to midnight and thinking, oh, my God, that is probably the longest I have or will sleep <laughs> for a long time. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and I guess, you know, as I look back, he, he was definitely cluster feeding before that. So okay. a little bit of a change. Okay. Yeah. How about you, Erin? Well, Cash was pretty much cluster feeding from the get-go. I've said before that he was a boobophile mm -hmm. and he was born that way. Um, so it was, like she said, it was a continuation of the first week, but just a little more... Um, dramatic I think yeah. it's like all of a sudden they know what a full belly feels like and they want it now like <laughs> so Ashley how much weight should a baby be gaining during that second week and when should he or she be back to birth weight I'm sorry I'm so distracted by this baby over here <laughs> <laughs> he just did the little side like Elvis smile <laughs> Um, so babies should be gaining um, about a half ounce to an ounce a day, which works out to about four to seven ounces a week. Uh, if breastfeeding's going well, baby will reach their birth weight, um, be back at their birth weight at uh, day 10 to 14. But I think it's also important for moms to know that sometimes it takes a little bit longer, and that's okay. Um, we work with moms where it may be two and a half weeks, three weeks, um, and usually indicates that, that they need some help, but it's not the end of the world. Okay. And sometimes it can be that baby just lost a ton of weight in the beginning because of a long, a long epidural or baby ends up peeing and pooping like six times in the first day and really they only need to do it once. So. And, and so I think when we're counting that half ounce to an ounce, what's really important is you need to look at it from their lowest weight, not from their birth weight, because... You know, that's that's the baseline, becomes the baseline. What were you thinking, Erin? No, I was just like, wow, that's great. Had I known that, I probably wouldn't have been so 
terrified that I was starving my child. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And so what does that look like about how much milk does a baby need per feeding during that second week? Does it change as much as it did in that first week? Um, It does. The the first half of the week, they need about an ounce, ounce and a half or so. And then the second half, it goes up to two, two and a half ounces. And that remains, you know, pretty standard. It's it's not going to continue to to jump up the way it did because just a few days ago, they were taking half an ounce, um, well, five milliliters the first day. So, um, yeah, so two to by the end of the week they should be at two to two and a half ounces per feeding. Okay, and is it possible to overfeed a baby during the second week? Does it differ if a mom is breastfeeding or supplementing or bottle feeding? It's very difficult to overfeed a breastfed baby. Um, babies who feed at the breast have a lot of self-regulation. Um, with a bottle, or if you're supplementing, sometimes it is possible to overfeed. Um, baby with bottles, they they don't have to work. Even those slow flow nipples, the the milk still pours into the baby's mouth, and so they can often take milk that they wouldn't normally. There are situations, moms with really big supplies and very active letdowns, overactive letdowns, um, where babies can be overfed. They take way too much at a feeding. Um, and we're talking, these are babies, you know, we're looking for a baby to weigh, or I'm sorry, to gain four to seven ounces. And this is a baby that's gaining a pound a week. Um, you know, the baby can be really gassy. And so that may be a situ- situation where the baby's overfeeding, but it's not, it's not very common. Okay. And ladies, did you, um, did your baby have challenges gaining weight in the first two weeks? And if so, did you have to supplement? Erin? Cash had a very difficult time gaining weight because he was tongue-tied, severely tongue-tied, and I had hypersensitivity. So those two combined really made for a very, very difficult um, breastfeeding experience, especially in the beginning. So not only did we have to supplement with formula, but I, I was also pumping, and then my husband was finger-feeding um, Cash. So we had to watch him diligently to make sure that he was um, eating and and not peeing everything away. So that's why I was like, I wish I would have been told to consider his lowest weight instead of his birth weight. And I think it would have saved me a lot of anguish. How about you, Sarah? Um, My daughter had a lot of challenges. She lost um, probably 10% of her birth weight by about the end of the first week. Um, I attribute a lot of that to our choice to swaddle her. Um, that's just my experience. She And so she would sleep for long periods of the day. I didn't know to wake her. And so by the time we were well into our first week, we were sort of down a path that um, she wasn't latching well, she wasn't nursing well. And then of course she was very, very hungry. So it took us some time to get better. Um, we didn't supplement because Thank goodness the pediatrician that we were seeing told me that, medically speaking, she was still fine and I should just continue nursing. And I called a, a um, little Leche League leader who encouraged me to just continue nursing. So um, we just kept doing our thing. Charlie here gained, um, he was, I think, half an ounce heavier than his birth weight by day seven or something. <laughs> <laughs> so I threw out the swaddle and just nursed all the time and... Voila. <laughs> yeah, and you had the benefit so. of doing it before as well. Yeah. So yeah. I, that's what always makes it nice. A second time, third time mom, you know, you've already set up the pathways. So you have more room to, to create some milk. All right, fantastic. Well, when we come back, Ashley will discuss common challenges for the breastfeeding mom during that second week and ways to overcome them. So we'll be right back.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the show. We are here with Ashley Treadwell, an international board certified lactation consultant in San Diego. And we are talking about what breastfeeding looks like during that second week. So Ashley, what what are some common challenges that a breastfeeding mom may face during baby's second week? I think the biggest challenge is mom and baby are still trying to get breastfeeding down. Um, it can take three, four, five, six weeks for you know everybody to feel really comfortable. So I think that second week, um, moms are probably still dealing with a lot of uncertainty, um, hoping that everything's going well, wondering if the baby's getting enough. Um, if mom had some soreness with nipples initially, it should be resolved, um, you know, by the second week. If it isn't, that could indicate that that something's not going right. Um, you know, it's a common thing for moms to be dealing with engorgement still, or maybe not engorgement so much, but the, the discomfort of when the breasts get really full and then they're emptied a little bit and then filled back up. So uh, moms will experience that a lot during the second week, but I think mostly probably still that uncertainty. Okay. Ladies, did you deal with any of these challenges and if, did you also have other ones that you dealt with? Erin, I know you mentioned Cash had a tongue tie. Yeah, he had, had, he had the tongue tie. And like I said, I had, I had the hypersensitivity. So I... I don't know now, looking back, how I managed to actually get through the breastfeeding experience. And I know that Robin came to our house a couple of times to help with us. And if it hadn't been for the lactation consultants and the support, I wouldn't have been able to do it because I couldn't get him to latch. It, nothing was going right. Nothing. It was just too painful. I just, I, I just remember constantly crying, being in tears at all times. My toes curled and my baby trying to latch on. So, yeah, d- challenged to say the least. Yeah, definite soreness going on. Oh. Yeah, I wouldn't say it two weeks. You're out of the woods yet. <laughs> yeah, no, good point. Yeah. How about you, Sarah? Yeah, I think by two weeks, my daughter was, um, at that time, she was probably, we were starting to hit our stride a little bit. She had figured out really how to latch. And um, I think this time around, you know, that like you said, the nipple soreness is, is was gone by two weeks. I think I had a mild um, infection associated with a, a clogged duct at that point. Um, I started feeling kind of achy, like flu-like, uh, and also with just a clog and like kind of marbled breast. So um, it resolved and... Cool. <laughs> and do you find, I mean, I guess mastitis, if that was going to happen, That's often... the most common time because yeah. it's when, you know, our breasts are filling up really full and so we're more prone to clogs. So, yeah, the two to three to four weeks is when... Um, that, that can happen. It can happen all the time, but most commonly then. Okay. Um, Ashley, what, what if a baby is preferring one side over the other? Um, what causes this and how can a mom help her baby latch to both sides comfortably? So babies like us, if we go to sleep and lay in one position all night long, we wake up and we have a stiff neck and it hurts to, you know, turn our head a certain way. And if you think, baby most likely has been in one position in utero um, for most of their time. So babies can come out and be a little stiff. Um, They can prefer one position over the other. Um, A really simple sort of positioning tool that moms can use is if the baby prefers cross cradle on the right side. 
they can just move the baby over to do football on the left side. So the baby's still laying on their same side. They don't know that they've switched sides. Um, I also recommend to a lot of my moms, if baby is really tight, um, we have specialists who can do baby work on bodies and help sort of loosen everything up and get them aligned. Um, we have craniosacral therapists that we refer to in chiropractors, um, and that can help baby feed much more comfortably. Moms will often find that the the side that the baby has difficulty with is also the side that's more sore. The latch sometimes can be compromised because the baby isn't as comfortable. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what if a baby is choking and coughing while breastfeeding, which Sarah, I wonder if you notice this. <laughs> is this because the flow is too fast, there's too much milk or something else entirely? Um, the most common reason is moms with big letdowns. Um, moms that have very fast letdowns, um, it takes the babies a couple weeks to learn how to manage it. And so sometimes during those first few minutes when the milk starts to flow, baby will pull off and sort of sputter and choke and then they'll, they'll latch back on. Um, most babies, as long as everything is going on anatomically well with them, um, that they're able to, most babies by two to three weeks are going to start to figure this out. Um, you know, during that time, mom can help by just doing a more laid back position while they breastfeed because then gravity is helping the baby. Um, if babies do have um, a tongue tie or a lip tie, something that would be causing them or, or preventing them from being able to create a suction, um, that can make even a letdown that isn't very fast difficult for a baby to manage. And so that's when they would probably want to have that assessed. Sarah, did you notice that with Charlie that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much every time. And, and you know, multiple letdowns per nursing session, and each time it, he'll choke and gasp. But now I just, you know, he's fine. And sometimes I, do, I allow him to kind of come off the breast and allow the, the letdown to just um, feed out into, you know, a rag or whatever. Okay. So has he, now that he's four weeks old, is he kind of managing it a little bit more easily now? Still or? choking with everyone. <laughs> but he has no, he has no problems with it. He just keeps no. going. And I just, you know, I'm just grateful that, that there's milk and <laughs> that yeah. everything's coming yeah. through. So Absolutely. Um, Ashley, when do you recommend for a mom to introduce the bottle and should she start pumping during the second week? Uh, we recommend that moms introduce the bottle um, and start pumping during weeks three to five. Uh, most babies go through a growth spurt right around two weeks. And during that time, we want all stimulation to be from baby and we want all the milk that's baby that the baby is getting to be from mom so we usually recommend to wait for that that growth spurt to to end <coughs> and then sometime between week three and week five would be a good time to start pumping and then introduce the bottle okay um and ashley if kara had posted on our facebook page why does my two-week-old only sleep while i'm holding him because that's the only place he's ever slept <laughs> <laughs> that's um, a really good way of putting it i've never thought about that um, it's so common, and we get these questions a lot from parents. I think parents have this sort of, you know, first-time parents maybe think the babies are going to come out. I mean, we see pictures and commercials of babies laying in their beds and sleeping, and babies mm -hmm. don't do that. They are just coming from having been inside. It's all they know. It's warm. You know, the, the sounds are <coughs> muffled. It's quiet. It's soft. They can hear your heartbeat. And then they come out, and they're in this big, bright, cold world and they just want to go back to where they were and so babies often want to be held um, a lot of people refer to the first three months of a baby baby's life as the fourth trimester so they were inside for three and now they're going to be as close to they can be as for that fourth so it's really normal behavior they're not going to do it you know forever they're not going to be in high school and still sleeping on your chest <laughs> that's when you'll want them to <laughs> and they don't want anything to do with you <laughs> Good point. Um, ladies, where, where did your baby sleep best during those early weeks? Did you, did you find that your kiddos slept best while being held? Erin, how about you? Oh, absolutely. I wore him constantly. My husband and I took turns, and we have tons of pictures of that first month where the kid was never put down. I mean, that was the only way to keep him calm and, and happy. 
How about you, Sarah? Well, I'm wearing Charlie right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah. he's passed out. Yeah, he's passed out on your chest. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I, um, you know, with my daughter, we had some reservations about this. I didn't think I wanted her in my bed. I, we were afraid. We had this discussion a lot in my marriage. Oh, my God, are we going to have her in our bed f- forever? Um, but just it, it all happened very naturally. And with um, with this one, we've, you know, it just it seems like the right thing to me. I get the best sleep um, bed sharing. So that's where we as a family personally get all the best sleep all the way around so that's what most of our vir- virtual panelists are saying too um annie Obermuller says right next to me in bed best sleep i ever got <laughs> i know you can attest to that too oh MJ. yeah that's it's exactly the way that it went for us we never put um jason down um i i was like you know, first mom, this is, something's wrong, you know, and this baby doesn't want to ever do anything without being on me. And, and now that I know, you know, two and a half, almost three years later, that it's, that's just the way that it should be. And I, I, when he doesn't want to be with me now, it's like, you think back on that time, you missed that time. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think you brought up a really wise point, um, thing as well, Aaron and Sarah, that wearing your baby too, because I feel like um, a lot of moms can sometimes feel like they can't get up, you know, because they have this sleeping baby. And while most of that time, it's kind of nice. I think it's nature's way of making women kind of take a step back and relax Mm -hmm. and actually take a break because otherwise we'd be up cooking dinner. Um, And so we, you know, holding our babies and breastfeeding um, keeps us kind of sedentary and quiet um, and bonding with them. But sometimes, especially, for example, Sarah, you said you have an older child, and so who probably wants you to get up and play with her. <laughs> and so being able to wear your child or Aaron, you saying that that's where Cash wanted to be and that's where he was happiest. Um, wearing them keeps them skin to skin on you and sleeping on you, but, um, but you're able to also move around too, which is really cool. And for me, sorry, because I had read about the fourth trimester, I personally needed that extra time that extra closeness with him, you know, because it was such a shocking reality. So, yeah, I really just I'm a huge proponent of uh, baby wearing. Mm-hmm. To your point, Erin, um, I I had pretty bad baby blues with my daughter. And I think, again, a lot of that I could I now attribute to the separation that we had um, kind of swaddling her up and putting her down on the other side of the room and admiring her from afar. And um, with this baby, I just really made a decision to strip down to the waist and get him skin to skin against me and often wearing him that way and um, I noticed in the first toward the end of the first week I spent a couple days with appointments and whatnot with him dressed and me dressed and kind of a little bit of separation and I started to have my baby blues back I I kind of by five six o'clock that night started crying out of nowhere and I thought oh my gosh I need more oxytocin yeah (laughs) so the baby wearing really does that for me and then also I pick up on cues a lot Mm -hmm. a lot sooner absolutely well you can see when he's hungry (laughs) you'll feel him squirm absolutely Um, so Ashley one of the things that definitely took me by surprise at two weeks was my son's growth spurt. So would you mind describing a little bit about what are growth spurts and what is their purpose and how long they last for and all that good, all those good details? Sure. So growth spurts are a natural occurrence. Um, it's, they, they happen at, at somewhat specific times, two weeks, um, six weeks, three months, and six months. Um, and it's a time when the baby's going to help boost mom's supply. And baby's going to do this by demanding milk. The way that milk is supplied is by demand. The more we demand, the more we make. So the baby's going to demand, 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 <laughs> demand. Um, baby who went from, you know, the two-week growth spurt, sometimes those babies are still feeding pretty frequently. But maybe a baby that was going an hour and a half, two hours between feedings, you're going to have anywhere from 24 to 72 hours where this kid's going to want to eat all the time. Um, I try and talk to my moms about this ahead of time because it can be um, a big scare for a lot of women. They think that they don't have a supply. Suddenly, what's happened to their milk? 
So we try and, um, you know, talk to them, you know, preemptively and say this is normal. The best thing you can do is just keep the baby at the breast. And another thing you bring up, too, is that mom may not feel as full in her breast as well because the baby is actually feeding more frequently. Right. And so that no longer feeling of fullness and engorgement can Mm -hmm. also scare moms At the same time that the baby is wanting to eat all the time, it's common for moms to think that, you know, that something's going wrong. But, you know, if you can stop and think, well, how old's the baby? The baby's 10 days, 11 days, you know, 14, 15. Then, oh, this is probably your growth spurt. It's going to last for a few days. And then if you're lucky, some babies sleep for the next couple of days. Not all of them, but Mm -hmm. some of them. Absolutely. Ladies, do you remember your baby's growth spurt and what it looked like and how long it lasted for? Sarah, you remember it all? You know, I I really internalized the attitude of um, as long as baby's gaining appropriately, don't pay attention. That's a good, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> so unfortunately, I don't have a really great, um, you know, account of that, but yeah. Well, you knew he was gaining, so that was yeah, the most important. Yeah, he's, he's been gaining. Yeah, I mean, to the point where in the hospital they were asking me, when's the last time you nursed and for how long? And I'm going, I really don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sorry, I can't really comment. <laughs> no, that's okay. Erin, do you remember it all? Oh, yeah. Well, because it was so painful for me. And, you know, it was it was so traumatic. So, you know, he would he would constantly be there. I mean, literally, I remember one time in particular that I was sitting on the lounge and I didn't get up for hours and it was just so upsetting because my friends were coming in it was like a revolving door you know my friends were coming in to try and help me feel better and there was nothing that could be done and I I just I would just cry it would just go on and on yeah and thankfully I was like okay I know what's happening but logic and reason don't live in the same house so (laughs) it, it was um it was it was difficult, but I'm I'm glad to say again that it was through the support that I was able to push through. Well, cross spurts yeah. are really tough to go through if you're having pain. Yeah. You know, I, I hate telling my moms who are having you know issues with latch and sore nipples that so in a few days your baby's going to want to eat all the time. And, you know that <sighs> it, that can't be comfortable. <laughs> no, so we would use uh, the nipple shields, and then I would pump, and then we would try finger feeding, and even my husband who would do the finger feeding, his fingers would be so thrown. You know, and he'd be like, oh, my God, this is happening to your nipples. (laughs) Both of them. (laughs) Both of them. So, you know, I used a lot of the the homeopathic ointments and the icings and the cabbage leaves. And I mean, I tried everything under the sun. So I just want moms to know that it it, it does pass. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, and the thing with growth spurts, too, that are so important to know about is that no matter what your supply looks like, baby's going to go through them because it's like mini puberty. Mm-hmm. So they have to go through them um, because it's, a like Ashley said, a way to build up your milk supply. So nature's already put in that component into their little brains that they have to go through them. And so, but also I love them for one reason in particular is that they often wake up the sleepy baby at this two-week point. So mm-hmm. sometimes babies that have been kind of pokey and having a hard time waking up and stuff they hit that second week growth growth spurt and it's like hitting the reset button and all of a sudden (laughs) they're like bing i'm awake and And so sometimes it turns around slow weight gain and stuff like that so there are times sometimes they don't sleep all night either well they're nursing all night that's that's what happened to me i remember one night i just woke up and like jason my husband was sleeping next to me and i just started crying like i was just like i just i don't i don't know if i can do this you know like just all night long and just at that point we were i 
we um, bed share still, but we I was not sleeping well at that point, you know. And and then one one time too, when we were um, just up, like it was right around dinner time. I remember handing him to my husband and saying, like, I just fed him for an hour. He's got to be fine. And he was crying and crying. And so I called my midwife, and she and she had told us about feeding on demand. But I'm just like, I just fed him, you know. I just couldn't understand like that he was still wanting to eat. So um, I think just knowing that, like, finding out too that it was normal and other moms obviously were going through the same thing was so helpful you know you bring up a really good point about normal infant behavior during the second week too um what is up with the babies wanting to party like rock stars in the middle of the night? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, so why why does that happen? Well, babies, a lot of babies come out with their nights and days mixed up, and that's because while they were in utero, you were up moving around all day, and the baby was rocked to sleep, and then at night when you would lay down, it would get quiet and still, and the baby would wake up. So a lot of babies are born and are still in that sort of... Um, that cycle, that rhythm. So it takes a few weeks. Not all, some babies, but it takes a few weeks, um, and they usually figure it out. Yeah. yeah. How's that going with you now, Sarah? Have your days and nights gotten back to normal yet? <laughs> yeah. This baby um, sleeps a lot during the night, and, and so I'm fortunate my daughter had a had a hard time of it. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I remember I'm, a lot of – I fortunately, I can sleep through nursing for the most part. I think you, you made a good point that there's some women that can't, and for them I, I have – so much empathy because yeah. um, that's really that's a, that's a godsend if you can sleep through it yeah yeah I can't and those, those few times that I have I had I have very strange dreams you know <laughs> <I'm> like <laughs> who's pulling my nipple you know <laughs> but the all night I mean sometimes like MJ was saying you know there were occasions and still to this day if he's not feeling well or something we can literally and actually go all night long with my boob in his mouth and I'm just I I, I have to talk myself off the ledge all the time about it yeah well and knowing that it's all gonna pass yes it's huge all right well thank you so much Ashley and to our incredible panelists for sharing this valuable information about breastfeeding during baby's second week and for our boob group club members our conversation will continue after the end of the show as Ashley will discuss cluster feeding and how to power through it for more information about our boob group club please visit our website at theboobgroup.com Hi Boob Group, my name is Autumn and I am the co-owner and founder of Tailored Fitness, the solution for helping busy moms find time to exercise. Once you recover from the delivery of your baby, one of the things that's probably on your mind is getting back into your pre-pregnancy clothes. The great news is that you can, with a combination of healthy eating and exercise. The bad news is, is that it might take a while. Remember, it took you 9 months to gain the pregnancy weight, and it takes most women about 9-12 to 12 months to lose it. One of the ways you can speed up the progress is by including strength exercises into your workout routine. Most women's workouts consist mostly of walking and running. While these are great activities, they're not the fastest way to fit back into your genes. Strength training will help you build lean muscle tone, which increases your metabolism, so you will burn more calories just at rest. Speaking of calories, remember, it's important that your daily caloric intake stays above 1,500. Plus, add on more calories to make up for the ones you burn during your workouts so that you don't risk lowering your milk supply. To learn some strength exercises specifically for new moms, visit mytailoredfitness.com. Try one of our trainer designed workouts and keep tuning into the boob group.
That wraps up our show for today. We appreciate you listening to The Boob Group. Don't forget to check out our sister show, Preggy Pals, for expecting parents, our show, Parent Savers, for moms and dads with newborns, infants, and toddlers, and our most recent show, Twin Talks, for parents of multiples. Thanks for listening to The Boob Group, your judgment-free breastfeeding resource. This has been a new mommy media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of New Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider. New Mommy Media is expanding our lineup of shows for new and expecting parents. If you have an idea for a new series, or if you're a business or organization interested in joining our network of shows through a co-branded podcast, visit newmommymedia.com. Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.